Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have our live show. It comes out once a month. Uh, and so anybody who wants to join in on a conversation talking about oil and gas, I encourage you to call in. The phone number is 210-308-8867. Again, the number is 210-308-8867. Um, you know, we have a, a, a new administration scheduled to come in, so there's going to be a lot of discussion on what does that mean for oil and gas. So I encourage you, uh, if you have questions, what is that going to look like? We're going to cover it in today's show, and we sure would like to talk to you as well. So once again, that number is 210-308-8867. Before I bring on my co-host, David Blackman, and Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, I'd like to tell you about an upcoming mixer that we are doing uh, Teak Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, along with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, are having a mixer January 28th in Houston, Texas, at the beautiful Fogo de Chao that actually is in the woodlands. This this mixer will be a sold-out mixer, and of course, Jason will be there to talk about this upcoming session, 2021, and we'll also be joined by Paul Shepard, Vice President of Halliburton, giving us an update on uh, what's happening uh, at Halliburton as well in their HalCat uh, laboratory. I'd also like to mention the latest issue of Shell Magazine is getting ready to be released. Our cover was the latest commissioner being elected, Jim Wright of the Texas Railroad Commission, an issue you definitely uh, don't want to miss. If you want to learn about Jim, what his uh, thoughts are on how he's going to do updates and and work within the Texas Railroad Commission to benefit benefit Texans, excuse me, you should definitely go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag.com. And now let me welcome on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to our live show. Hey, it's a beautiful snowy day in Texas. It is. It's snowing in San Antonio as well. So we're very excited to see snow flurries, even though it's not sticking on the ground because it's rainy here in San Antonio. So, uh, but we'll take the flurries. Uh, Is it just completely white in your neck of the woods, David? Uh, And where are you? Where are you uh, again? Well, I'm in Mansfield. I'm just near Fort Worth and it's... uh, Certainly sticking on the ground up here. I'm sure my granddaughters are out building snowmen right now. So y'all are not getting any rain as well. It's just not snow. yet. It's supposed uh, to get some rain this evening, you know, after the temperature gets up a little bit. But uh, right now it's coming down in flurries and uh, we've got two or three inches on the ground. And You're so lucky to be getting yeah. that. Let me let's bring on um, our host, our, our, our actual our guest today, Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And Jason, you're joining us from Austin, Texas. What's your weather like over there? We have about one to two inches of snow on the ground and it's staying and it's beautiful here. Thank goodness for no rain, natural gas, yeah. uh, keeping, yeah. keeping my house warm. warm. There you go. Yes. Let's remind our listeners what makes everything go is the oil and gas. 
uh, and our show, of course. So let's jump in. This is our live show one more time. If you want to talk to Jason Modulin, you got a question for him, David Blackman, you want to talk about oil and gas, energy, the new administration, the upcoming session, we want all those questions. Call us, 210-308-8867. Guys, let's start with right now, uh, There are there's a lot of talk about oil prices. Um, the prices have bumped up a little bit uh, in okay. the price of crude oil. Uh, West Texas Intermediate was actually above $52 on Friday for the first time since January. Um, I'll start with uh, Jason and, and David. You jump on in here. What, do, what is causing this? What are the factors? What do you guys think? Well, I still think the biggest factor is COVID and recovery from COVID. We've certainly seen um, globally where there's some countries that are coming out of COVID, uh, a return to higher demand, a return to uh, utilizing uh, diesel and jet fuel to really get their economy back and, and up and running. Uh, we've certainly seen some inventories tighten in some places around the world, while in others uh, they, they've started to, to increase a little bit. Uh, I'll leave it to David to kind of break down the, the OPEC decision this past week, but um, I, I think there's some some positive signs from some discipline in the community. Uh, we saw yeah. uh, shale executives this past week really commit to maintaining a disciplined approach uh, as we've seen prices increase, and, th- and those are positive signs. Yeah, and they're, and they're going to have to do that, aren't they, Jason? I mean, um... I think the market's demanding that, uh, that that they maintain that disciplined approach uh, to capital management, to debt management. Um, it's it's one of the reasons why I think we saw the flurry of mergers and acquisitions uh, during the second half of last year is, is companies trying to rationalize their debt loads and, and acquire additional assets that will generate additional money and be able to pay down that debt. and. Um, so I think you know coming into this year, uh, capital discipline and 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 cost discipline is going to be, you know, the buzzwords in the industry. Um, and you're right about OPEC plus. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia made a big decision last week to cut a million barrels a day of their own production uh, during February and March, right. in addition to what they were already cutting, um, which had a huge impact on the market. And but. But you also hit the nail on the head. I think really the main thing is just the demand's coming back. You know, demand recovery is happening all, all over the world, particularly in Asia, but even here in the United States. Um, plus in the United States, you know, we've lost a million to a million and a half barrels a day of production yeah. over the past year because of COVID. So. All of that's combining to create a much healthier picture for oil prices. Well, and you guys, that was a lot you guys, uh, you know, put in there to unpack <laughs> because it's like, well, you got to watch this and you got to watch that. And you got to watch this. You got to watch that. They're all going to have to watch all this stuff. You know, I, I want to take us back when um, when we were talking to Commissioner Craddock um, of the Texas Railroad Commission. And she was discussing back then, David, when, when, and, and Jason, when there was discussion from Scott Sheffield on should they be putting regulations in place to kind of manage this and monitor this so we don't have these, you know, huge swings. Right. And the discussion was it's free market. You just have to let it be free. Uh, and so they, they, they hesitated. They didn't want to do it. But my question to you guys, though, is – so how do all of these energy companies come together and make this decision? Or is it just 
best practices and they get it. I mean, is it an association, Jason, like yours that kind of helped these discussions? Like this is where we need to stay. I mean, where does this stuff start really flushing out where, where operators know what to do? Well, I think what you saw back then and what you see today is operators moving much quicker than any kind of governmental action. Um, uh, The American form of uh, oil and gas production is so much different than the rest of the world because we're not owned by government. Mm -hmm. Uh, Government does not uh, dictate exact um, production levels. Um, like it does in so many other parts of the world based on uh, what price they're seeking and and how much they would like to produce at. Um, and so you see dramatically different responses. Um, some companies bet wrong and, and they go out of business within others um, uh, bet correctly and, and are able to, to reap the rewards from that. Um, that's part of the free market here and the innovation that we have. I thought it was very good that the Texas Railroad Commissioners um, entertained that uh, motion and suggestion so that they did their homework. They did their research to determine if they could adequately uh, control the market like they used to uh, 50 years ago. And I think at least two of the commissioners came to the conclusion that there was no way that they could feasibly do it uh, effectively. but that was a, a lengthy process and, and one that um, uh, took some some uh, humility uh, to address, uh, to, to determine if they could adequately step in and control the market. And thankfully, they, they opted not to. David, um, you know, the, it, there's such a big difference between the big integrated energy companies and then the small independent, uh, smaller, but I wouldn't call them small by any stretch, uh, smaller independent. And I mean, isn't that kind of also, um, we're going to get ready for break, but I want to try to talk about the differences between them and how, how the energy industry always seems to work together, appreciating each other's strengths, even though there are some that are very large integrated companies that uh, they're all over the world. And then, of course, we know we have our Texas uh, operators that are focusing primarily in North America and uh, in the United States. So um, how do these uh how do these companies come together? I mean, you never really see fighting amongst the energy industry. It's always like we're always, I mean, there is some, but not a lot because when we, yeah, there is some, yeah, there is some, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, but, but we, but the energy industry does tend to come out with a single united voice. And maybe it's because we're all, the energy industries always seems, they always seem to be fighting the outside, the public, the the, the bad image, the I PR love that nightmare. You think that, Kim, because that's what we need to be working towards is <laughs> is, is that exact message of, of working together and, and having um, a centralized thought and 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 what we're asking and try for to and project what we're approaching. that. Yeah, and try to sometimes it is all over the place and um, and the general public doesn't really see it. Yeah, the general public doesn't really see it. It's the energy industry. You get it. Like who's who's upset with who and why? That's right. So let's let's talk about it when we come back from break. And I also want to talk a little bit about OPEC Plus. We were talking about it earlier. We need to get back on that. That was a big decision as well. Uh, you're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. If you want to call in, the phone number. 210-308-8867 and we're going to also take our phones when we get back to you we have clint on the line from san antonio you're listening to and the oil patch radio show and we will be right back
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and I'm being joined today uh, by Zoom with my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Show Magazine, as well as our guest, Jason Modlin, who's the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And uh, we encourage you to call in if you want to talk about oil and gas, what's happening in the political scene, what's going to happen 2021 as the session opens. We want all those questions. We want to talk about uh, those uh, questions or call in and ask those questions if you want and join the discussion. The phone number is 210-308-8867. Guys, before the break, um, we were kind of talking about how the energy sector seems to try to typically come out with one voice, one, you know, uh, we're all on the same page or at least try to be. I want to open that back up uh, just quickly of what, you know, Jason, you'd said, we believe there's a PR problem between the energy sector and, and how the consumer sees all these oil and gas companies and, and the rhetoric's getting probably larger and bigger. Um, so let's get back on that. Are there operators, do you think now that we discussed the, what we know what they're going to be looking at for 2021, what they're going to have to, they're going to survive. But do you see anywhere that we're going to get on where we're going to really start taking the conversation on of the public relations nightmare that consistently plagues this sector? Well, that's a great question. Um, We consistently try to engage more with the general public to make them understand of just the good things coming from oil and gas production, particularly domestic oil and gas production. Look, um, uh, so much of the criticism of the oil and gas industry fails to contemplate what would happen if you turn off domestic production. Uh, We would become dependent upon foreign sources again. And if your goal is to protect the environment, you want it happening here. We have higher environmental standards here. We have uh, recourse for companies that um, uh, unfortunately do uh, uh, commit some environmental fractions sometimes that you have recourse here. You don't in other countries. There's, there's so much of a, uh, a strong demand for oil and gas products in, this, in the United States that that is simply not going away by making it harder to produce here. Um, and so at the Alliance, we're working for domestic oil and gas producers, independent oil and gas producers uh, to have a, a viability here in, in Texas um, and, and be able to thrive. 
so much of the criticism of oil and gas, unfortunately, just misses the the next step of where is that going to come from um, because it's not simply going away. And and so we've got to educate the general public and shows like this, uh, uh, Shale Magazine, other ways to reach out to the to folks and, and yeah. get them the information is is what we're working towards. I'd like you and David to comment on, I know you did an op-ed for the North Face incident. Let's, let's back up and just briefly talk about that. And then David, I'm going to give you the floor because I know you have, we need to get back on OPEC. But Jason, you did an op-ed. It was specifically talking to North, uh, the incident that happened with North Face. First of all, what happened with the incident, David, I want you to, to chime in too, because this is a perfect example of how bad public relations is to the consumer, that, that even these companies don't even get it. So take it away. Yeah, so North Face is an outdoor apparel company. It's kind of a high-end outdoor apparel company. And they had... Uh, turned down a purchase from Innovex Downhole Solutions, which is a um, a, a tool and, and operations uh, um, company out of Houston. Uh, and their CEO, Adam Anderson, had put in a, a purchase of 400 North Face jackets in order to reward their customers. And, and in the process, they also wanted to put an Innovex patch on the on the jackets. And North Face rejected it because it did not meet their standards. Um, uh, so- uh, What standard? <laughs> you wouldn't even well, have a product. <laughs> uh, uh, standards, they cited alcohol, um, uh, tobacco, and other kind of- um, uh, unmentionables. Um, so Adam, rather than simply uh, uh, looking for another apparel company, he penned a, a four-page letter and posted it to LinkedIn, and it really became viral, pointing out uh, the inconsistencies with this company that utilizes petroleum. Uh, they, they are a petroleum product company uh, to manufacture these high-end materials. And yet they did not want to be associated with oil and gas. And so uh, I also wrote an op-ed to just pile on. And, and, and uh, there were some great op-eds from all over the country calling out North Face. Uh, um, there were some good ones a few years ago when Patagonia did the same thing. Yes. Um, yeah. But but these are companies that are simply virtue signaling that, that they don't want to be associated with uh, quote unquote, dirty fuels. And yet that is their product that they're delivering. Um, and it's how their product is delivered to their customers. Um, uh, their customers can't get out into the outdoors without oil and gas uh, to bring them there or to give them the material that they need. Um, no one's walking around with, uh, you know, the kind of seal skin and uh, what you saw a hundred years ago, uh, um, true wool outfits. Uh, we'd never uh, uh, venture into the, into the back yeah. out back you know Patagonia area without these new materials. Um, so, so in other it, words, that, so in other words, what you're saying, so the so the listeners understand this, there is no product North Face would have if it wasn't for oil and gas, point blank. So no, the Kim, fact Kim, that I, I I think we ought to have a contest, Kim. We we ought to offer to our viewers and I'll, I'll pay for it. Okay. Out of my own personal checkbook. If any listener can identify a single product that North face makes manufacturers that doesn't contain nylon or some other fabric that is made from petroleum products, I'll give you a $50 gift certificate to the restaurant of your choice. 
There you go. Because because the truth is, it doesn't exist. This is why the show is important. This is why Shell Magazine is important because it truly, there is so much ignorance out there. And even now with the company showing their ignorance, we got to take a quick break. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free, no charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor in the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. My co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, is also uh, joining me, as well as our guest today, Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Today is our live show, so we want to talk all things energy. If you want the phone number to call in, it's 210-308-8867. I want to get to the phone lines. We've had people on hold. Clint, um, are you there? What's your question? Yes, uh what I think, does the energy? Hello. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, what does the energy industry look like under the uh, Biden Harris administration? Well, I think that's probably uh, on everybody's mind. But I did want to say thank you for uh, holding on, and I know you call in all the time, so I appreciate you listening and being engaged. Now, I'm going to ask the guys to comment on what are we looking at with the Biden Harris administration. Uh, for the energy sector? Uh, carnage and mass hysteria. Okay. Um, <laughs> carnage. It's, it's going to be a tough four years for the oil and gas uh, Yeah, unchecked industry. Congress. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Jason? Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I no, 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 no. No, no. You said- yeah, no, that, uh, I think David's absolutely right. Um, uh, it, if if we had thought that Georgia might have gone a little differently and uh, provided some sort of check on the Biden administration, um, uh, that simply went out the window with both uh, Democrats winning in Georgia, uh, giving a 50-50 tie in the Senate to Vice President uh, Kamala Harris. Um, that, that provides for some opportunities for the Biden administration to get what they want uh, through budget actions where they don't need um, uh, 60 votes to overcome uh, a filibuster. 
uh, I think what you will initially see is a lot of executive orders from the Biden administration limiting federal leases, uh, ramping up some of the uh, scrutiny of, of permits uh, issued on current leases. Um, and then you're also going to see some some higher um, kind of information standards uh, required uh, that lowers uh, emission levels, um, uh, tries to limit methane emissions, um, and then also raises some of the standards um, on um, the end uses of oil and gas on um, anything from utilities to, to uh, vehicles. They're certainly going to raise um, the, the mileage requirement on vehicles. So, uh, yeah, we're in for uh, uh, quite a whirlwind over the next two years until uh, potentially there can be some pushback uh, by a house that uh, could possibly switch hands. David, you want to make a comment? You're always really good. We've got about two well, minutes. So, you know, there are limitations to what uh, any administration can do. Thank God. Uh, the, the industry <laughs> does operate under contracts with the federal government on federal lands that are supposedly sacrosanct, sacrosanct in our nation's court system. We'll see if that uh, is maintained over the next four years by the courts. Uh, but if, if the Senate should repeal the filibuster rule, which can be done by a simple majority vote in the Senate. Um, Joe Manchin has said, he's a Democrat from West Virginia. He has said he would oppose uh, efforts to repeal the filibuster rule entirely. Um, but we have Republicans like Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and, and several others, Mitt Romney, who might vote the other way. Uh, if the filibuster rule is repealed uh, in the Senate, uh, then the next two years could really be a time for very radical change, not just related to the oil and gas industry, but in our society as a whole. So that will be the key early on here is what the Senate does and does not decide to do with the filibuster rule. And uh, you know, and Jason, Jason, of course, is right. We'll have a lot of executive orders coming down very quickly as soon as, as President Biden or Bi President-elect Biden takes office. Uh, you know, and I'm sorry, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> I know it's just, yeah, as we get ready for break, I think that, you know, we, I'd like to talk a little bit when we come back from break on how is this going to affect the average citizen now with this? Because I don't think they really understand there's going to be a consequence to us all when we start seeing these radical changes on oil and gas and how what it's going to mean to them. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we will be right back. Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, being joined with David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. And our guest is live, Jason Modlin, who's the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Today's our live show. So if you want to talk to us, call in to 10-308-8867. Guys, before the break, just real quick, what's going to be the consequence if we start having a really crazy executive order uh, signing um, and a lot of changes coming, uh, you know, at the Capitol, all bad for oil and gas. Okay. How does this affect the average person? Well, it affects the average person by raising the cost of a gallon of gas. It also affects the the price to heat their home. Um, So they eventually uh, see it uh, immediately in those aspects, but then everything else after that, any manufactured goods in this country require uh, affordable, abundant um, electricity and and natural gas. Um, And so that starts to create a ripple effect across our economy, making things more expensive, uh, leading to production and manufacturing, uh, moving uh, uh, towards uh, friendlier shores. And, and unfortunately, that's uh, uh, the result. If you have uh, bad energy policy, uh, you start to reverse these gains that we've made over the past few years. Yeah, all those North Face t-shirts are going to cost a lot more. Uh, that's right. So in other words, it's going to affect all of us. David, I know you have a question you've had. Uh, go ahead. And yeah, ask let's it. let's talk about the Texas legislature, Jason. Uh, the, the session starts this week. Uh, I'm sure you're getting ready for it. Hopefully the, the snow will have melted by then. Talk about, um, I guess, first of all, let's talk about the kinds of uh, adjustments and concessions uh, the members in the lobby uh, and, and just the general public wanting to come into the Capitol are going to have to make to account for the current realities around COVID-19. Yeah, I think the immediate uh, impact will be that there will be far fewer people at the Texas Capitol. Um, uh, There are a lot of closed and locked doors right now uh, with signs saying uh, you you will only be admitted upon appointment. And if you have passed a COVID test and, and now there is a tent on the north side of the Capitol, that allows for rapid COVID testing. Uh, And when you pass, you get a little green sticker on your lapel. And then you're able to go into the Capitol and meet with certain lawmakers that uh, have made it uh, a requirement prior to meeting with them. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Zoom calls uh, this session. Uh, That's going to be kind of the preferred way to interact with a lot of staff. Um, But it's going to make for a very challenging session. And as you know, it's only 140 days. Yeah. Jason, I I was just going to ask, what is some of the things that that you guys are going to be working on and what is the industry facing as well? Like what are going to, yeah, what we're going to be following is really starts tomorrow with comptroller Glenn Hager's biennial revenue estimate. That's always happens the day before session gets started. And we've seen news reports anywhere from a 10 to a $20 billion deficit that lawmakers will need to be contending with. Some of the top priorities for oil and gas this session are to make sure that the Railroad Commission and the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality have the resources they need in order to carry out their mission. Look, if an operator has to wait for an inspector 
to come out to a site, to come out to a pipeline. Um, that That's uh, dollars, that's time that takes away from them um, getting on with their business. And so the, those, those ripple effects um, start to create big challenges in the industry. And so we need our regulators to be operating on, on, on full steam. Um, other things we're working on are eminent domain. We continue to reach out to landowner groups and try to find some common sense solutions to some of the complaints they've had about pipelines and about um, uh, roads and electric infrastructure. This is a growing state and we certainly have needs for that infrastructure, but we also recognize and honor private property rights. And so you've got to balance those two uh, demands. And so uh, lawmakers will hopefully be taking up some of those issues this session. But thankfully, uh, we have a, a much friendlier legislature than what we see up in Washington, D.C. Uh, we also have statewide elected officials that have prioritized oil and gas. So we don't quite have the, the negative um, uh, uh, efforts here in, in Texas, thankfully, but we're going to be pushing back where we see those. David, um, take us into what um, I know we, we wanted to cover. What is the alliance working on but at a Biden level? Um, any questions there? I thought you had a question. Well, I, yeah, I have a question um, uh, related to the, the ban on hydraulic fracturing on federal lands that uh, the president-elect kept talking about during the campaign. And... Um, you know, promise to enact upon assuming office. Have we heard anything new on that front here since we last talked? I think we've heard a softening um, on that. Uh, uh, certainly they've talked about other ways that they're going to get at um, oil and gas. Um, you've seen a lot of movement lately um, uh, here at the at the very end of the Trump administration to try to shore up some of the uh, rules and processes to make sure that banks are not discriminating against oil and gas or that some of the environmental permitting is uh, streamlined and, and not taken into account uh, with these long drawn out review processes. Certainly the Biden administration will work to undo some of that to allow for uh, a higher level of scrutiny and, and, and frankly discrimination uh, in the financial sector to limit the financing of projects in oil and gas. We've seen uh, folks uh, in uh, Anwar and, and in kind of the northern Arctic circles uh, be denied financing and that, and that creates for some challenges when trying to engage in those leases um, that the Trump administration tried to sell last week that, that there were frankly uh, uh, very few bids in um, because there was such a lack of financing. Here in Texas, thankfully, 97% uh, of the state is privately owned, but we do have a number of uh, BLM and, and other uh, leases that go on in Texas where uh, there is property that's adjacent to uh, private uh, leases and, and where there's some opportunities to produce Jason. hydrocarbons. Jason, let me let me take us into break. We'll be right back. You're listening to on the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. 
as a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm being joined by David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, as well as Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. This is our live show. Jason, before the break, I'm sorry we had a hard break. You were talking about how it was going to affect Texas. Um, and it seems like, fortunately, we're not going to be affected too, too much by federal lands. Do you want to come back to that conversation and finish it out? No, that's absolutely right, Kim. We are uh, uh, quite a bit more insulated than our neighbors in New Mexico or in the Dakotas uh, where we have less federal land. Uh, We will see some impacts. Uh, We'll also see some offshore impacts, but uh, thankfully we're not as uh, subject to uh, federal overreach as some other states are. Well, thank goodness for that. Uh, Barry, let's bring Vicki on the line. Vicki, are you there? Thank you for waiting. What's your question for the guys? Hello. Good afternoon. I have been noticing an increase in gas prices. Can you tell me why we're seeing such a spike in gas? Okay. David, uh, you want to try shooting that one? I can't hear the question. Can you oh, question? Yeah, let me re- The question was, she, uh, Vicki wants to know why are we seeing gas prices going up? Is it because of the new administration or why is well, gas it, yeah, I mean, it's anticipation of the new administration and its policies in part. It's also because of the factors we talked about early in the program. You know, the price of crude oil has gone up. Really, uh, it's gone up 20% since October. And uh, so the price of gasoline has gone up about 10% in response to that. Typically, the price of gasoline at the pump follows the price of crude oil. Uh, after a lag of a few weeks uh, or even a month or two, and and plus seasonal factors. But uh, uh, there's also the anticipation uh, of the new Congress and new administration that is going to be implementing policies that that are designed to restrain the domestic oil and gas business. And, And the consequence of that is inevitably going to be, as Jason mentioned uh, early in the program, that we will become again more dependent on crude oil from from imported from other countries from the mm-hmm. Middle East and elsewhere. So, so that's what's happening with gasoline prices, and I, I think we probably should uh, just uh, kind of assume that that trend upwards in gasoline prices uh, will continue in 2021. Well, Jason, I mean, you know, it's probably bad for the consumer. Obviously, things are going to go up, but for the energy industry. You know, we've been hovering with some very low 
uh, crude prices. And of course, you know, David said we've, we've seen it jump. So it's good for the so is this administration going to be somewhat good for the energy industry? And did uh, OPEC Plus decision, which I'd like to talk about that too, uh, to cut, um, is that also affecting what's happening at the pump too? Yeah, it's it's trade-offs, right? Uh, is it a death by a thousand cuts um, if we're just inundated with environmental uh, regulations that are proposed? Um, uh, a few years ago, it was the Hayes Rule. No one could understand where that was uh, coming at or, or targeted at, uh, but it certainly would have created huge impacts on industry uh, to comply with. The best thing that happened was uh, six years ago when the export ban went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was with um, President Obama and with a, a Republican Congress. So um, there are bright spots uh, sometimes that, that happen and occur, uh, and we'll work through them and, and continue pushing for independent operators. David. Um, let's talk about OPEC plus. Cause I mean, I know we were discussing that. Yes. Uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, let's talk about the sure. question you had. Go ahead. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that again, that, uh, agreement is in place. It's intact. Saudi Arabia had to agree to that big cut in their own production to hold it together, basically to keep Russia in it. Um, it was about to implode again early this month just as it did in March of last year, which was really what made crude prices drop, you know, just crash below $30 and even go negative one day last year. Um, So, you know, that thing holding together continues, unfortunately, to be a a real key uh, for U.S. producers, particularly independent producers whose business models kind of depend uh, on the oil price being propped up by those countries, those other countries uh, who are currently withholding 7.7 million barrels of oil per day of their own production off the market. Uh, really, that, that has to stay intact for this kind of house of cards we have around uh, crude oil prices to, to be maintained. So it's always an important thing when, when that group of countries meets, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be meeting again in March and we'll see where they go from there. Um, but it's, it's a very key thing for us. And, um, you know, Saudi Arabia only agreed to that million barrel a day cut for two months. And as of April 1st, at least under the current rubric that they have constructed, uh, that million barrels a day will come back onto the market. So, it's going to be a year of real uncertainty about where all of that goes. I, um, my and, stomach is queasy just thinking about yeah, all the changes that are coming down the way for yeah. the energy sector. We should all be very, very vigilant about watching what's going to happen. Jason, I want to lead the show with, tell me a little bit about the Alliance. What are you guys, uh, I know I know you're scheduled to have a, uh, an event with uh Teak Texas Energy Advocates Coalition in Houston uh, on August the 28th. I'm sorry, August 20th, January 28th uh, at Fogo the Chow. What are you going to cover at that mixer? We'll be covering what is happening during the legislative session. We'll be two weeks into the legislative session by that point, and hopefully we'll know where the comptroller puts the biennial revenue estimate as to what kind of deficit they are in and what they're working on there. We'll also have some changes in both the House and Senate, their makeups of the committees as to where uh, uh, 
oil and gas bills will go. And so we'll be able to talk about that. I think we'll also just talk about the general dynamic uh, of the change in uh, uh, protocols to get in and out of the building and, and what uh, uh, the Alliance and other groups are working on to, to make sure that we have a prosperous uh, and beneficial legislative session that, that benefits the industry. And, you know, it's so important that you're doing this. I want to thank you uh, on behalf of just the Shell viewer, because obviously it's changed at the Capitol because of COVID and there'll be very limited uh, people allowed to go. And so since Teak is an advocacy group supporting the oil and gas uh, energy, it is important that we understand what we're dealing with and be able to be a supportive uh, community to the oil and gas industry. So we look forward to you. Thank you guys for being on the show. That's all the time we have. Uh, we do have to uh, end the show. And if you want any information on the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, all they have to do is go to your website to join. Your, you kind of look for operators, service companies, everybody that's focusing. And of course, if there's any uh, listeners who want to get more involved, I encourage them to go to Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. Again, that's Texas Energy Advocates Coalition.org. Actually, it's TXEnergy.org. Or you can just go to Shell Magazine and, um, and, and research. You'll find information on Jason's company, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, as well as the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. Boy, there's a lot of different little things going on to keep track of. Anyway, thank you guys for being on the show today, and thank you to our listeners and our call in today as well. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.